<laughs> Episode 56, Buddy Podcast. After a month, I'm J.W. Dwyer. Full month, I'm Nate back in Hillsboro. San Francisco. Welcome back, J-Dub. Thank you. I bet our listeners thought we were gone forever. I bet they did. I bet they are like, all right, well, it lasted longer than we thought. Yeah, that's right. Same here. Anyway, uh, but no, uh, I'll tell you what. There's three constants in life. Death, taxes, and buddy podcast. That's right. It's the law and, uh, of nature podcast. It's the law of nature. Like, like animals, they eat, they mate, and we record the show. Yeah. That's that's what happens. We're back, so why were we off the air? Did you, did you forget to pay your internet or... Why were we off the air? I was traveling around. Vacation. You were vacationing. Yeah, yeah, vacation. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about vacations. Give me, uh, give me one word. To describe your travels this summer. Where did I go? You got to remind me. I think that you know where I went. Uh, I okay, you went to really Yosemite remember. at one point, and yeah, you were up in Oregon at various points. Actually, in fact, JW and I had a rare in real life meeting just two days ago. You were up here. I know. We should have recorded it. I was like, I was telling Lizanne, I was like, it would have been our one of our best shows. <laughs> one of our best shows. We just walked around outside and talked for an extended period of time. So, yeah, Let me tell you, I I knew that I was I was like, okay, yeah, Nate and I are are still friends because I did not want to go into like the building you worked in. <laughs> I did not want to go to a <laughs> restaurant or getting coffee. Blech. And it's like I was I'm like, doing it. I was like, I'm gonna. I was preparing myself to be like, let's just walk around, and then that's all you want to do too. I was pretty happy about just that. walk around. It is the best. It is the best option. So we most recently uh, were gone because we went. On our, well, I did two things. First, we did a guys camping where I took my two oldest sons camping down at Shampooey State Park, which is near, on the Willamette River, uh, kind of south of where I live. And then after that, we went on our annual fishing shindig where we go up to Little Hammond, Oregon, and uh, fish in the mouth of the Columbia River. Wow! So it was fun. That's pretty for cool for salmon. Yep. Chinook salmon. Uh, Chinook and Coho. I caught a Coho that was wild. I had to release it. Oh no! So did you? Uh, but yeah, we we ended up with nine fish caught. Were you hassled by days. fish and game? Were you hassled by fish and game? No. So um, we did get uh, checked once by uh, ODFW, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, but they were just doing it for science because they wanted to see if one of the fish we had had one of their like scientific tags in it or whatever. Oh yeah, I saw that in. Um... I, so yeah, we've been backpacking in Yosemite a few times, and then, gosh, and then we went camping with my brother Stephen, who's a oft referenced person in this show. If that is his real name, if it is even his real name, um, we went camping with him and his family, and they ha- we went to a lake, and they. Um, they also had a sign that said, "Hey, if you uh, catch this fish, you can win a prize." Like, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, yeah. There's certain nuisance fish um, where you can make money. In fact, so there's a fish in the, I think it's in the Columbia River, called the northern pike minnow, and they have bounties for it. And so, like, you can catch as many as you want and like turn the carcasses in, and they pay you for them because they want to get rid of them. And then they do tag a few, which are like worth more cash. You know, it's kind of like winning the lottery. Yeah. And the top, the top earner last year in 2016 
earned over one hundred thousand dollars. No way! This. No I way! I'm not making this. Oh my up. gosh! I'm not making this. Wow! Up. It is crazy. That's incredible. Yep. Oh my gosh! If I would have known about that. I would be yeah. that guy who wins $100,000 because I have the <laughs> persistence of a psychopath. <laughs> like you, you just have to sit in a boat and you have to get like, oh man. I'm so it's patient. Got its, own, it's got its own website called pikeminnow.org. Wow. Wow. I wonder if there's anything like that around here too. I should, I should look into that. Listen to this. Your first 25, you get $5 per fish. 26 to 200 pays $6 a fish. 201 and up pays $8 a fish. Oh, so it goes up. You turn in at once. Tagged fish are worth $500. Wow. And then, okay, top 20 anglers of 2017 so far. Oh, wait. Uh, So in 2017, so far, someone's up to $49,000. And 2016, let's check it. 2016, 119,000. Wow. The guy caught 14,000 fish. That's incredible. In a year? That's incredible. That's every day out there. Every day. I wonder how much of a dent he he, he, uh, he put in the population. I don't know. I I think it's amazing. Whether or not it's legit, I don't know. It's amazing. I'm going to Google search invasive species and species bounty. Yeah, go for it. See what you can find in your area. You put you can be a hero you too. You put I N V. It's like the number four invasive. Yeah, invasive species. After what, like invalid and uh, I, stuff I like that. I didn't look. I my eyes went straight to bounty. I <laughs> straight to bounty. Yeah, hundred nineteen thousand. The first thing says animal bounty hunting as a side hustle. <laughs> a side hustle. <laughs> I think we should get into this. Yeah. Maybe we'll both get into it. So from what I understand, uh, my brother-in-law explained this to me because he heard a bit more about it. Apparently these guys who make tens of thousands of dollars doing this, they just get like eight rods rigged up and then they just like, they put one in or they get what's called a, I think for this you can use a two rod endorsement. So you put two rods in and then you get a fish, but you have to keep it going so fast you have to just stick one of your other rods that's ready and put it in the water. Yeah. And then, you know, like clean up. And then so you like have this constant rotation. Then you eventually like, you know, retie and rebate, whatever. So uh, anyway, yeah, that could be your new calling. Uh, helping with invasive invasive species removal. I wonder how the they cash. I wonder how they send it in. Like are they like uh the heads? Uh, like send me the heads. <laughs> the the head. only the heads. Or you send uh, like a how, how oh, here we go. How to register and check in fish. Anglers must register each day before they fish. So there's some guy who just sits there and like, oh, you again every day. Anglers may only be registered at one station at a time. Registration forms are available. Uh, fish caught while registered at a station must be returned to that station during its hours of operation on the date stamped on the registration form. When an angler submits fish for payment, they may also register for the next calendar day. <laughs> this is the craziest thing. How much do you think oh, it's, it's just a van? It, How much do you think it costs? Like, uh, like the person who got all that money. I don't know. It, oh, do you mean like in terms of tackle and rods and all? Yeah, that? Uh, quite a bit. But it's they definitely made a tidy profit. Huh. So and and then they have the five hundred dollar fish if you get them. <laughs> Dang. I, you know what? Let's let's just actually let's end the show now. And we're both 
we're both going to go out and just start, uh, we're just going to start catching fish. I, I mean, great. I've never been a huge fan of fishing, but I've never been that lucky with it. And, uh, uh, yeah. So the fishing we did, it's, it's called the buoy 10 season and you go out in the mouth of the Columbia and it is, first of all, it is insane. There is like, especially on the weekends, there's thousands of boats out, thousands of, you know, small personal fishing boats. Now the, the river there is huge. It's miles across. So, you know, they're all spread out, but you're all, there's only certain areas in the river with fish and you're all kind of trolling along with each other. And when it's good, it's good. Like you get lots of bites and it's a lot of fun. And there's other types of fishing where, you know, it's just slow and boring. Yeah. Like steelheading. Steelhead is very uh, slow at times. Um, other, other salmon fisheries are very slow, but this is the one where you go when you want to have like a lot of action. So. All right. All right. Yeah, we caught a fish, at least one fish each day the boat went out. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the other cool thing we did, so in in, in Hammond, uh, Hammond's not actually its own town. It used to be a town, but it's um, now been annexed by a neighboring town called Warrington. But Hammond is the very farthest northwest town in Oregon. And um, it's adjacent to what we call Fort Stevens, which was a, uh, a fort which guarded the uh, mouth of the Columbia River with artillery. And we stayed in a house in Hammond that's not in the park, um, but it was apparently like military housing for like captains or something back in the day. So we played, stayed in this really cool place and it had like, it was like so picturesque. It had like a picket fence and it had like an American flag. And then like it looked out onto this little like, like green area in the center of the little part of town that had like a playground on it. And I was like, this is, and I, I texted you the picture actually. And it was like, a, it was a little bit too good. <laughs> it's almost, almost creeped you out a little bit, but it was, it was really fun. Anyway, that's that. I know. Have you seen that movie Big Fish by Tim Burton? I don't think so. There's a part, no. there's a part that kind of remind me of it. That's why I was, uh, when I texted you, I riffed this joke that I kind of stole from that. Like, uh, they, it looked like you're at a wedding in Louisiana that uh, you have to, when you get into the property, you have to throw your shoes over a tree and you can't leave and you might be stuck forever. And somehow you become the uh, groom of this wedding with like a, you know, you're like, oh, this is great. And then you realize you're going to be stuck here for all eternity. You're the star of the show. That's what it looks like where you were staying. That's exactly right. And it was great. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. So. People like nineteen four, like kids were playing uh, baseball in a sandlot in the nineteen forties. Yeah, and we were playing baseball on the town green with random other kids because this is America and it's already great. that's pretty incredible. I mean, that rarely, rarely happened. I never see that happen really, except in like, I wish that it, it would more often. I mean, people play pickup yeah. volleyball, never play pickup baseball. Yeah, well, do you remember, gosh, I can't remember if I told you this on the show, but um, when we were on our Redwoods trip, we were staying in Eureka, and then one day we went to, we took a day off from the the big tree parks and just like hung out in town, went to a zoo, but we also went to a park, and it had a sign that said, no unauthorized baseball. Wow. I'm like, come on. Oh, because it had a field? That's That's too bad. That's really no too bad. No unauthorized baseball. I'm like, come on, really? This is the world we're living in. I know. This, this, it was like, awful. what would what was, would ha- or what are they worried about? You tearing up the field? Was it a nice field? I don't know. I have no idea. Awful. No, the fields weren't particularly great. It was just 
I don't know. Maybe they have baseball gangs in Eureka, California. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Things get out of hand. Violence breaks out. And they just end up bludgeoning <laughs> each other with baseball. Bomb bludgeoning each other. Maybe there's, maybe there's gunshots. I don't know. Yeah. They felt the need to make a city ordinance so you can't play baseball in city baseball parks without permission. That's so. too bad. Anyway, that's why Trump won. Yeah, it was lobbied by the basketball. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, the city basketball, basketball league. <laughs> They're corrupt. They're corrupting everything there in Eureka. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Well, that's cool. So, so go fishing, you know, or don't. Uh, fishing, I kind of feel bad because... Um, Prior to the Industrial Age, the Native Americans in North America had a sustainable fishery of salmon for over 10,000 years. But uh, then when we uh, European stock showed up with the power of technology, we just basically wrecked everything pretty quick. And so the fish are kind of in trouble. There's lots of rules and there's hatchery runs to, to kind of bolster stuff and yeah. make sure we don't kill them all off. But nonetheless, we're still allowed to fish for them. But the sea lions aren't allowed to fish for them. <laughs> and the pike minnows eat the smolts, and so they go out and they kill pike, or not, uh, excuse me, uh, cormorants. They go out and kill cormorants uh, to keep them from eating the fish. And it, it all gets crazy because of the dams and the gill nets and whatever. So. Now, is that is that a goddamn? Uh, it could be, but in this case, it's a mere mortal dam. I think that's the uh, second time I've used that joke on this on this show. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's it's all, okay. I also did not uh, yeah, write that this, one. It's, it's, uh, that's from... Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> I mean, it can't be that hard to, uh, to come up with that. You joke. know, there's a... I mean, speaking uh, of uh, things, um, Europeans fucking shit up when we got here. Uh, uh-oh. Me, I, I didn't really know what the Dust Bowl was. And then I was driving back from Portland this last weekend with me, me ma. And uh, with oh, my ma. Yeah. With me ma. And Mama. my ma. She's here. She's visiting. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, give her give her a hug. Yeah, I will. Me. So um, <laughs> she uh, we she was talking about it, and I always I associated it with grapes of wrath, you know, and I really should have known because I've read it and <laughs> like what it was. Yeah. But uh, I didn't really know that much, and why the Dust Bowl happened because the Europeans or the Americans, but the white people. Uh, Got in there and they wanted they wanted more. They just kept on wanting to you know plant more shit. More. They, and then they had they technology to be able to plow the fields really fast and efficiently. And then so they were like, "Hey, you see all this grass here? Let's get rid of that and plant more shit right Screw here." That. And then that's what was holding <laughs> in all the water. And then the winds came like after a drought, yeah. and uh, there was a dust cloud that stretched all the way to New York City. Yep. Crazy. Crazy. What was also funny is it was during the um, Homestead Act. And so, you know, people were moving out there a lot. And when they were marketing that to American citizens, they were like, it's not as dry and arid of a climate. Climate is changing. There's climate change going on right now. And everything, it's going to be like this beautiful new bounty that's not like it was. And (laughs) they did that. And just randomly, it happened. Uh, the it rained really hard like the next two years, so they were like, "See, we predicted it." And then there was a nice. terrible drought. <laughs> but uh, my grandmother was there during that time. She lived during the depression, like she was our age during the depression, and she was. My mom was saying that she said 
that they would go outside and she'd have to just have a scarf over her face to like protect her from breathing in all the dirt. It was just brown all the time. It was nasty, terrible. But they weathered the storm, the dust storm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that that's a. Uh, I was thinking about this um, actually on our trip too about how maybe the people our national heritage came from just weren't that bright sometimes because. We went to Fort Clatsop, which is where Lewis and Clark spent the winter on their expedition. So it's on, uh, uh, it's on. Well, it used to be called the Nettul River, I think N E T U L. Now it's called the Lewis and Clark River. It's it's near the Columbia. It's very close to the Pacific Ocean. Um, and I was reading about it and thinking about Lewis and Clark, and their whole expedition just does not make sense because. So keep in mind when they were sent in 1805 or whatever it was. We already knew about the Columbia River because it had been mapped by two British sailors, Cook and Hood, and by an American, Gray. So they already knew the Columbia River was there. And so they got sent up the Missouri River to find the Northwest Passage, which the idea with this was it was going to be an all-water passage to the Pacific Ocean. And they were going to try to go up one river... And then hang a left. an all-river passage, <laughs> all-water passage to another river that flowed the other direction. I'm like, are these guys that dumb? And they've Was been Thomas there. Jefferson that stupid to not know how rivers work? Like, well, it's like... You have headwaters, and they flow down to the ocean. When you go up a river, you don't just eventually get to a point where you start going to the other ocean. Do they think it That's just gets deeper and de- like it's a point like a like a like a um a pyramid and goes all the way slopes down. I mean, this they knew up. that the Rockies were there. It. They knew the Rockies were they, there. And do you think like after that they were like, oh, "I guess there's this continental divide." Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just like how dumb were these? I don't understand how you could possibly go up a river thinking you were going to by water start going on a river into the other I mean, ocean. what are the odds? Like, they had to have been smarter than the, that. There's like they, six they, or seven continental divides, too. There's not just one, you know? It's like, I you got to think, and they're like, okay, well, we know this one is here, but there might so not be one these, that goes through Montana. <laughs> you know? yeah, these people might be dumb. And all <laughs> they had to that, do like, was ask. Like, it's not, like, it's not that hard. That's what's kind of interesting knowing about, like, a lot of these settler stories that uh, it's like they really did not think that the Indians were people. They knew they were like animals. You know what I mean? Like they didn't want to talk to them. They're like, no, we know better. You think like the lowest guy on the totem pole on that expedition was like, why the heck are we doing this? We know there's going to be no water route through the continent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's probably like one guy who's like blue collar dude in the army. Who, who just knows because his papa taught him right. Like, you can't get to the start of a new river by going up one river. I know. He's probably the mechanic <laughs> was, that, like, helps. He was trying there. to tell Lewis and Clark, hey, idiots. It's not, and then eventually they got to the headwaters of the Missouri and they were like, well, crap, now we have to walk. There is no Northwest Pass. Didn't they have a guide, like an Indian guide also? Yeah, they had uh, they had a guide. What in, was his name? Sacagawea. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I, I think, anyway, but. I don't know. So there was that. Poc- I, I don't know. Pocahontas was, or something. I don't know. Something like poca- that. Pocahontas or Squanto or one of those. Or running you know. bowl. I don't know. No, we are in trouble right now. Anyway, um, we should back, back away. <laughs> yeah. So that, that happened. That happened. Um, yeah. So to conclude, um, even though they had 
obvious ways of knowing it wasn't going to work, they still they still tried, anyway, which I guess is commendable. I in guess, a way. kind of. I mean, like, I don't know. It's a, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. I mean. I don't know. What are you doing with yeah. a car on the moon? <laughs> You're on the moon. <laughs> I know that's what it feels like. I mean, gosh, it like- it's like there's so many uh, things. I was gonna, I don't know. Have you seen The Revenant? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen it's it. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's like the thing that, like, the Earth is. The, what the earth is like and how, if it's flat or not. I would like to know. And the myth that they thought that it was flat when Columbus sailed, but she obviously did not think it was flat. No. <laughs> but, I mean, they had to. But I don't think anyone but did. But the thing is, the ancient Greeks I, uh, knew it was round. They knew. Because they, they understood like a lunar eclipse and any lunar yeah. eclipse. I don't know how they for so long thought it was flat. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I, well, part of it is people say that the idea that the Europeans thought it was flat is a myth itself. I would, I would it's not be surprised. Myth. I would not be surprised about that. What I want to, like, if you went back to 1300 England, it'd be like, is the earth round or flat? It'd be like, it's round, you idiot. Yeah, it's obviously <laughs> round. I mean, it's pretty basic science that can show yeah, there's you. There's a lot of ways of confirming it. Anyway, I w- I'm curious to know, like, <sighs> okay, so those were, like, English settlers, you know, that, like, were fucking shit up and didn't think Indians were people and all that stuff. But what about the French settlers? Were they doing the same stupid shit or the Spanish settlers down south? I mean, were they doing You know, crazy well, the shit? Spanish were pretty, ended up being pretty aggressive, right? Because they had the whole Cortez thing and... Columbus. Uh, all that animosity uh, in the in the in the Caribbean and South America. Um, although it was really interesting um, reading a book, I think it was called 1491 about, you know, well, pre-Columbian, they say uh, native American society it was when the Spanish showed up in uh, to, you know, to face off with the, with the Aztecs or the Incans or whoever, their firearms were not necessarily superior to Indian longbows. Because the Indian longbows were more accurate and had a faster fire rate and a longer range, yeah, than the guns they had at that time. But they had armor, which that eventually changed very quickly to be, you know, the guns were obviously superior. But back in the very initial points of that, like that, it was kind of weird to think like they showed up with these firearms and the Indians were like, "Well, that's the stupidest." <laughs> Another <laughs> you know? turning point I read about today is because I was I was like because you know we just had a solar eclipse we should, we should probably talk about but so I was like oh, well what's yeah. a what's the deal with the lunar eclipse and it's like the the blood moon right so um, they had this little story about how um, Columbus when he was in Jamaica. Uh, they the natives there were starving them out. They were like, "No, you're eating all our food, and we're gonna kill you by starving you." You know, and Columbus saw that everybody's gonna die, but they knew about uh, ecliptical patterns and stuff like that. So what Columbus yeah. did was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna make this moon disappear." And then so and then <laughs> so he did. He said, "All right, it's gonna disappear tonight. I'm gonna make it disappear." And so it did. You know, like disappeared, yeah. and then. The, the natives, so this story goes, begged him to make the moon reappear again. He goes, all right. And then it reappeared, and then they gave him food. Because <laughs> they thought he was like this magical dude that can control the moon and make it disappear. That's so the story oh, goes. Oh, man. Yeah. 
I'll have to find the source on that because uh, it was from Wikipedia. No, it's probably legit. Yeah. That's the thing about Wikipedia. It's probably right. Probably it might right. not be right. Yeah, it's like, but probably check it. Correct. If you're students of the world, if you're writing a paper, yeah, use Wikipedia, but don't put it in the bibliography. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you got to use Wikipedia as your launching. Yeah, point, right? it's like you, you gotta... click that little number and then read the real the article. Find the real book or whatever. And I've and done that, and go. sometimes it was like, oh, that's not, that's not a good article. Just, well, somebody needs to, this, somebody needs to edit this. <laughs> this is some bull crap. Yeah, this is some bull crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, solar eclipse. Where, where were you during the solar eclipse? So, uh, when the solar eclipse started, um, I was at work, uh, but I decided to come home. Now, let's back up because the solar eclipse, major thing that happened all across America. Everyone kind of lost their mind. And um, there was, it, it was in Oregon. And where I lived, we had 99.4% totality. But let me tell you, that makes a big a difference. A huge from difference. I thought totality. it was going to get a lot because I was in Portland too. Actually, I think the day that we yeah. hung out was the solar eclipse day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We hung out later. But yeah, day. I thought it was going to get much darker. So did you see the snake shadows on the ground during the eclipse? The snake shadows? Yeah, have you have you heard of this phenomenon? Yes, you yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't know what that was about. I mean, I was looking I at know. like the projections of the eclipse onto the ground from the leaves, but yeah, the snake shadows. We were one. I was thinking maybe it had to do with the solar, like the way that the sun kind of glows. When I was in Bryce Canyon, um, like uh, they had a solar. It, there was an astronomy festival, and one day during the day they had a solar telescope and you could like look through it and you could see kind of a similar thing than to the snake shadows i didn't even think about that mm-hmm. so what's the deal yeah so we had so i have no clue <laughs> i was just wondering if you saw but so what i did is i i live really close to where i work so i just came home once the eclipse started because we had three small kids and like I, I wanted like you know my wife to be able to enjoy it without the stress of like worrying that especially that our youngest one was gonna like stare at it but even with 99.4% occlusion, like it was still too bright to look at with your naked eyes, unless you're the president of the United States. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's um, <laughs> a great photo. <laughs> now uh, we'll go into that maybe in a minute. So it was cool. And we looked it up and, you know, the neighbors came out and it got like a tinge dark. It got dusky and a few of the lights turned on and it got cold. That was the thing that surprised me. It's how fast yes, it got cold. Yeah. That was amazing. But that was cool. And we had the glasses and stuff. And I have an eclipse. I want you to know, I actually bought it the week before, and uh, it says the date, total solar eclipse, and it's got a silhouette of the eclipse over the shape of Oregon, and I don't regret it at all. I'm going to cherish it forever. That's cool. It was cool, man. I mean, like, my brain definitely did a backflip, you know? Uh, (laughs) Like, wait a minute. I didn't, we had some friends that came over, like, after it had already gone past, you know, but it was still, Mm -hmm. it was still kind of on it. It was, like, the last half of it, and they had the glasses, and it was pretty cool looking through the glasses, and, like, it is pretty interesting to see through the glasses. We stayed with somebody who was a gun fanatic, and he brought out his, like, AR-17 or some crazy thing like that, and had a scope on it. And then he held the gun, he pointed the gun at the sun, and so the scope like projected a really sharp image of the eclipse onto a piece of paper. It was pretty cool. Um, oh, so yeah, we go. exploring shadow bands. These mysterious bands of shadow race across the landscape in the seconds before totality. Scientists still don't fully understand what they are. 
You can study them yourselves which, by taking measurements and photographs and come up with your own hypothesis. Okay, nasa.gov. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to do anything myself. Yeah, what do they know? Do so actually, here's a benefit of being not in totality is we got to see those shadow bands a lot because we were in that sort of near totality phase for like several minutes. So that was pretty cool. You know but, what's uh, frustrating is that I, and I totally forgot, I have an aunt like a aunt that I really love and I just I totally forgot and she lives in like Springfield, Oregon. Like right okay. in the path of totality. She has a big property. Oh, we could have camped out there and uh, totally didn't up. even think about it. But yeah. for them Well, they were all saying it was gonna be a traffic apocalypse down there, right? Yeah, well oh. we we didn't hit any traffic coming up and that's what they said it was gonna be crazy, blah blah blah. But and we yeah. the, all all the way back there was traffic, but there was no slowdowns. It was like seventy miles an hour bumper to bumper from like Eugene <laughs> until San Francisco. It was kind of crazy. I was like, "Good job, everyone!" But um, yeah, but well, it, well I, I was I kind of wanted to see it get completely dark because I wanted to see the for a minute like the win- winter constellations at night or during the day. I thought that would be really cool to see like Orion's Belt and then. Um, I think you could see Venus and maybe yeah. yeah some other ones. But I thought that would have been cool, and I missed out, and I regret it every day since it happened. I hope, you know, I hope so she's not listening to this That's the other thing show. that happened is if you, if you weren't um, in an area near totality, you probably didn't hear about it, but there was a mild form of hysteria surrounding this because um, well, for example, there's a small town in central Oregon called Madras that was right in the path of totality and has very clear weather at this time of year. And so uh, astronomers were saying, hey, people should go to Madras if they want a really good look at this. And so Madras started, all their hotels started booking and filling up. And then we started hearing things in the news like all hotels within uh, 60 miles of totality are booked. And so I'm being told like, well, even in town, even in Portland, traffic is going to be insane on Eclipse Day because everyone's going to be moving around. There's so many extra people in town. Someone said there's going to be 100,000 people in Lincoln City, which is a coastal town, which just makes no sense. It's probably and, foggy uh, as hell this, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A terrible place to go see the Eclipse. Like, don't go to the beach if you want to see Eclipse at 930 in the morning. Obviously, that's bad plan. I don't know if it worked out down there or not. So we hear all this and then like, I don't know if everyone got scared away or just, you know, it wasn't as many people, but it was like the lightest traffic I have ever seen on a weekday, yeah. even in summer. I know. On Monday. It's cra- it was crazy. <laughs> everyone was staying home. The people we stayed with, the people we stayed with have a cabin in Madras, Oregon, and they didn't <sighs> go because they thought that it was going to, the traffic was going to be crazy. And when they described it, they were like, yeah, man. There's like 13 miles of traffic getting into Madras. And I was like, there's like 13 miles of traffic every day in San Francisco going to Oakland. And my sister was like, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, I know you've lived here for like 13 years now, but you're from Los Angeles. Like there's, there's nothing. Los Angeles has a hundred miles of traffic at all, at all times. (laughs) And it's like, so I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, They were complaining about 13 miles (laughs) worth of traffic. And, uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, there was, especially coming up, they, I heard they were saying like, well, to get out, there could be traffic jams for 73 hours. And I was like, I really doubt it. 
73 yeah i don't know who came up with this i'm getting cynical though i have clues i have some clues so local news obvious incentive to um exaggerate because people will be tuning in ad revenue um then we're told you got to gas up every time every day you need to gas up because all these wahoos are going to come in and steal all the gas and while you're gassing up, why don't you stop into the mini mart for a hot dog and some chips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you need to stock up on everything. In fact, my dad and grandma lived in totality and they were, someone even said, you're going to have to stock up on medicines because apparently people who are coming to the uh, band of totality are going to fill their prescriptions while they're in town and there's going to be no drugs. That's a banana. I was like, this is. It's hysteria. Insane. It's um. It's, it was hysteria. It was ridiculous. It's also not the first time during a solar eclipse through the entire country that it got this hysterical. In 1911, it was, I guess, just as bad. Like it was. So, like, and let me. I'm going to offer a hypothesis here because I kept hearing all of the hysteria from people who were seeing it on their local news channels. Like me in my world, I yeah. don't watch that. I did not hear much of this stuff. Yeah, I didn't either. And so it's pretty interesting. Just from those I mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah. At, at any rate, I just uh, rem- I, I don't watch them for a reason. And it kind of reminds me of this so. Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. I don't know if you watch that show, but if you're a Seinfeld fan, you should. It's very very. I funny. should, but I don't. So there is an episode where the Larry David he plays golf a lot. And so um, the weatherman uh, said there's going to be just raining, just downpour, don't even bother going out. And so Larry cancels his golf plans, and then it's totally sunny. And so he gets the idea, he (laughs) goes down to the golf course because he knows the weatherman, and he sees the weatherman playing golf. And the weatherman's (laughs) been saying, telling everybody when it's going to be raining, and like so he can have the golf course all to himself. Nice. Yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, so you know, I just, this, so I mean, it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty awesome. You know, like I was yeah. just surprised how cold it got and how much of my brain just kind of like like short circuited a little bit. You know, Cause, you know, I uh, I once I was thinking about it, I had to know why it only happened every so often and not every month. And so I, I, lear- I learned myself up on the or- orbital characteristics of the moon. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? So the moon has a five-degree orbital inclination, which means there's only twice during a month when the moon is at the same inclination as the sun. And then most of the time when it's at that inclination twice a month, it's not actually between the Earth and the sun. It's like somewhere else around the Earth. So the one thing that's still baking my noodle that I need to do some figuring on is like how you get eclipses like down in Antarctica, for example, like how, how can they go like in in all different latitudes and like all, and like different directions and stuff. That's still kind of blowing my mind, but I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, I just thought like, well, 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 yeah. Would it be, well, if you look at a map, like, cause a, a solar clip happens every year, 18 months somewhere on earth it'll happen and like mm-hmm. uh in a in a band as long as the one that we've just had most of the time it's over the ocean because the earth is mostly ocean mm-hmm. so i imagine that uh 
yeah, I don't know how you would get it at the, if you ever get it on the poles because this is the moon's never that high around orbit like that angle. Yeah, and there and there is a tilt, but it's not you know that much either. So that's the thing that I still don't really grok, but I'll get grok. It. I'm gonna get. Oh it. man, Are, did you yeah. just make a Robert <laughs> Heinlein? Uh, reference? Yeah. Grok. I have that's, to. That's one yeah. of my favorite books, Stranger yeah, in a Strange Land. It's a good book. I also, like that book, too. Also, I, one I of my, have some... Also one of my favorite protagonist names, Valentine Michael Smith. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, uh, I, I also love The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, yeah. and I have hated everything else I've read by Heinlein. Oh, really? Some of his stuff's really cheesy. <laughs> yeah. Like, um... It is really cheesy. Like, there's, um... Uh, it called uh i will fear no evil which is about the old man who transplants his brain into a young beautiful woman's body <laughs> and it's just like as juvenile and ridiculous as you can possibly imagine yeah and like it's just like it's like george R. R. martin dirty old man yeah <laughs> he's kind of like the, did you read the stranger in a strange land that had all the orgy scenes in it like no oh really oh, they they republished it with all the because the publisher chopped all that stuff out <laughs> during well that you know original. to be honest that made it better because i mean part of that book was challenging social norms because the premise is a guy from mars lives on earth and so obviously that's going to happen but like uh there was another book uh called the number of the beast which has a super fascinating premise about um tra- uh, about uh traveling basically like inter dimensionally or or to alternative universes i guess is one way to look at it and then it just gets so bogged down in like alternative sexual ethics and you know like all this all of heinlein's like um favorite uh old sauce and and it just gets ridiculous um but so the other one the moon is a harsh mistress has alternative social arrangements for marriage like they talk about line marriages and other stuff but he keeps it in check kind of not like out of control yeah so, anyway he wrote a headline uh, read the classics and uh, you could probably skip the other he stuff. wrote a, uh, a short story called all you zombies that became the film predestination have you read that or have you seen that movie i have not seen that it's one, actually no. really good it's with ethan hawk and it's the premise is, is that uh, a woman meets a guy at a bar they go back in time and meet this other woman uh and like uh I'll just, I'm going to ruin it for you. I don't care. Um, okay. So Go it turns it. out that woman, uh, uh, actually, the she a guy meets Ethan Hawke at a bar. They both go back in time, meet a young woman. The young woman happened to have something wrong with her and had to have a sex change and became a man who somehow ended up impregnating his, uh, his, like, his younger <laughs> self and um and then as like and then afterwards at the end of the film and the story it turns out Ethan Hawke was that same man just just older so the three characters are all the same person the movie is actually really good really really good all you zombies is so cheesy and so stupid and like the dialogue yeah. is way over the top like it's like the worst and i was like god damn it heinlein you have great he has great premises premises yep uh premises premises, but um i don't know i'm more of a philip k dick guy myself i like yeah i I like him i'll I'll allow it i just like his uh he's good it's just like the science fiction in philip k dick is like 
great dialogue and you know interesting ideas and then he's like and then they got went up to the roof and got in a car and flew away like that's <laughs> i like that yeah. <laughs> yeah my problem was so like when i read um i'll fear no evil like the problem was i had already read the previous one i didn't like i was like i don't think i'm gonna like this <laughs> yeah, but it was like it was like seven bucks for you know like a tour paperback sci-fi is great it's always so cheap you can just get it cheap. explain i'll Brand fear new, no you know? evil Okay, so that is uh, that's the the one where he gets his mind transplanted. Oh, okay. Um, Heinlein. Heinlein. So yeah, is a science fiction novel. Uh, let's see. Taken from uh, Psalm twenty three four. Yep. Uh, so when a beautiful young female secretary Eunice is murdered, her body is used to keep him alive. Um, and then after Smith awakens from the transplant, he discovers he can communicate with Eunice's personality. Oh yeah. That's the other thing that happens. It's like, she's in his head. And anyway, is she like, I guess one of my problems with Heinlein is he, he attempts to make, he really, uh, has a lot of liberated women characters, but how they come across is like exactly a caricature of how you think a man wishes that a woman really felt. <laughs> You're like, you're like, oh my god! It sounds like he's like projecting his desires into this, you know, edgy, you know, whatever story thing, which is gets a little creepy at times. So listen to listen to this. Rate. It says, uh, "Heinlein suffered from life-threatening uh, periton- peritonitis. Peritonitis after it's a um, life-threatening inflammation of the peritoneum." Um, okay. Life-threatening, after completing the first draft of the novel, he remained ill for the next two years and is thought to have been published without his usual editing and polish. So ah, don't you so feel pu- like a jerk? No, I don't. Because what's the editor for then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I had this problem. So uh, Michael Crichton has had a number of posthumously published works. And, you know, I understand why his estate does that because he's a cash cow. But they released one called Pirate Latitudes, which was half-baked. It was not good. It wasn't... I mean, it was finished in terms of its plot, but it was not edited. It wasn't fleshed out. And, and like, they found it in his drawer because he probably... It sucked, and he stopped working on it. It's kind of like the Harper Lee's... prequel to to kill a mockingbird i heard it's just like, yeah there was like a it's fu- question yeah it's like it's kind of messed up that they published it like she had pretty serious alzheimer's and was like something yeah there was there was accusations that she, that she didn't really consent i don't i don't know you know all about that but yeah so then there's been a couple more now that they've gotten like side writers to help like clean up the manuscript so that you know it's not as bad as that one was yeah at any rate, no, I don't feel bad. Heinlein, uh, he's a big boy. He can, uh, they can choose not to publish something that's not good. <laughs> so, uh, so rate. Trump was staring at the sun. I think it's this is kind of <laughs> interesting because people were laughing, and it's a really funny picture. However, it's a funny picture, it's like, everyone. It's funny. It's like, come on, you gotta. Th- Pictures are, lie all the time. And yeah, I kind of looked up. I didn't look stare right at the sun. But at one point, if somebody had a camera around me at all times, they could see me kind of look up around yep. the sun and squint and they could have taken a picture of it. You know You know what? It's a gotcha photo. It it's just a joke. It is really funny. The guy with, it's, our president is staring up at the sun. Yeah. It's dumb and it's funny and it doesn't matter 
Like, and then when people go insane about it, when they're like, oh, he's such an idiot. Let's impeach him. Let's impeach him. Let's Let's impeach him. (laughs) And then the other, then people come out and defend him vociferously and go nuts. I'm like, guys, it's just a joke. It's a joke. Can we not? Like, I. He's staring at this. Like the time McCain was photographed with his tongue hanging out of his mouth like Gene Simmons. (laughs) It's just a joke, There's a really, there's a funny picture of me, and I don't know if I can find it anymore. I'm sure somebody else has it, but it's like. Um, I don't like the sunscreen lotion. I just don't like it. So I use the spray. But to do Ooh. the spray, you have to like you spray it in your face. So somebody like waited for me to do it, and I like close my eyes and I like spraying <laughs> the spray right in my face, and it's a hilarious picture, you know. But it's like yep. that's a way. That's actually probably even worse than looking up and getting a picture taken. I don't know. Yeah, Trump, man. He's in ch- that this last month for Trump news. Gosh, we only have like 15 minutes the, left. We cannot man. catch <laughs> yeah. up. Gosh, man, the Charlottesville. So what is going on? Gosh. So we got the Charlottesville. So, and we talked about this in person, but we'll rehash it. And here's the thing that I was confused about because I thought Trump, I didn't think Trump was actually a white supremacist because. Uh, it just didn't really make a lot of sense that someone in his position would be have that kind of ideology. Um, but um, the way he acted in the wake of that made me really wonder. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like, how do you how do you defend neo Nazis? You know, it's like yeah, it seems it's, like it, it, it seems like a conspiracy theory that someone would say that like they misunderstood what he said. They'd be like, like, oh yeah, well, I heard behind closed doors that he doesn't think neo Nazis is that bad. But he went on yeah, twice. No, like, he went and said they were fine people. You know, fine people. Or no, and, once he uh, said fine people, but the first statement said there was violence on both sides, on all yeah. sides. Which he he um, conspicuously uh, uh, did not include that part of his statement when he reread it in his campaign rally in uh, in Phoenix. Phoenix yeah. You know. So there's the uh, there's the <laughs> palling around with terrorists with the uh, neo Nazis. Uh, Russia, you know, uh, something might happen. Man, I have an opinion on Russia. And... I have an opinion on Russia. All right. So you let it fly. This is a safe. Yeah, this place. is a safe place. So I think that relieving tensions with the two largest nuclear powers in the world is a good thing. No matter you know, it is a good thing, especially <laughs> for those countries that border Russia. You know, it's like that's yeah. always a good thing. And so I think that. Yeah, go for it, Trump. I mean, yeah, maybe you colluded with the Russians and whatever, and but it, but it's so it it seems so imperative, especially with his rhetoric with North Korea and all this other stuff that we get him out of office, and this seems like the ship to take us there. You know, that, that can like it could let's, let's it go could, after or at that least Russia the invest- thing. Yeah, the investigation that started looking at that might just find some other unseemly stuff. But honestly, so. I don't think that I, I, I don't know. I, I deep down, I feel like you'd be naive, or I'd be naive to think that this kind of stuff never happens, you know. And then also, yeah. us complaining about foreign governments meddling in our election <laughs> is laughable, you know. 
and uh, I'm laughing about it right. And now. then also, if it re- if it relieves tension between us and the Russians, that is a good thing. But you know, if we we keep on pushing it, Russia, maybe Trump can get out of office. So that would be probably safer for the whole world. <laughs> In terms of the whole world's safety, total body count. Uh, Trump, um, you know, there's something to be said about having an ineffectual president. If he can be, you know, if he can actually not get anything done and not start any wars. Um, well, like the majority of Americans not are not <laughs> racist. You know what I mean? I mean, well, not yeah. not overtly racist, you know, and like. Yeah, but he still has support of like thirty three percent, blah blah blah, and lots of people. So many people disapprove of the Republicans and everything that's happening. Like he's making the um, the people who were regulated, he's making them regulators uh, uh, with yeah. uh, the financial industry and all that stuff. And like, yep. Yep. like the people don't want that. But so, but gerrymandering has become such a fucking problem. That, like, even though, like, right, uh, the, the latest poll I said, or the latest projection said that Democrats are set to win. If it ended today, Democrats would win, like, 54% of the vote uh, in the midterm election or whatever, which would be a huge mm-hmm. victory, landslide victory. And they would, they yep. would bear, they still wouldn't have a majority in the House. Oh, because the district. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, I mean, it happened with two presidential elections in the last um, uh, 12 years. What was it? Six, 16, 16 years. years. It was like, that's yeah. in, uh, this is a, this is becoming a problem. And this, I'm excited to see the Supreme Court case about gerrymandering because um, of what, what happened in you Wisconsin. Know, and what happened in Wisconsin, I think, Nate? Uh, actually, I don't know I don't, the details on that. I will comment. I think it was Jeff Flake's book, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona, who basically like said like we should be ashamed of ourselves about gerrymandering, but not in so many words. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of amazing. He's a sitting Republican U.S. senator. He wrote a book about how President Trump's, you know, made the Republicans lose their minds. Well, not only do they um, win but, House seats and Senate seats and the presidency through gerrymandering but what it happens is they have no incentive to not like uh condone neo-nazis and and uh confederate sympathizers like like what why would they ever do that they don't need to win the support of most americans they need to just play to that tiny sliver and they still stay in power you know yeah you know trump's approval index went actually up a little bit once the polling numbers reflected the initial Charlottesville scenario. I, I, I had a real despair moment when that happened. I was like, this can't be right. And who knows? I mean, I think they did go back down a bit, but I was like, this, this isn't right. But you know, Bannon got fired out of the deal. So, you know, that's probably a good thing that we, one less charlatan in the white house, but, uh, one less self cocksucker. (laughs) Although, You know, he's a, I, I do I do still think he's a really interesting character and he was really, really smart. Um, um, I, you know, based on the things that I had read that speeches he had given and stuff. But, um, you know, smart, not using his uh, his talents for Although good. Although look what's who look who's <laughs> so, surrounding the president now. It kind of seems I was thinking like 
actually my mom brought it up and she's like it's kind of like he's like now he's just surrounded by military guys and i'm like wait is this like a slow motion military coup that's going on right now <laughs> maybe you know it's like they've already totally ignored his transgender ban to the military they're like oh yeah we're not gonna do that <laughs> you know and it's just yeah. like uh what's going on here yeah that was a part of the classic uh trump administration a misunderstanding that just because you tweet it doesn't mean it happens. The same thing has happened where they've been in this constant bickering with the Senate uh, saying like, you're not approving our nominees. The Democrats are slow walking them. And then the Senate would be like, actually, you never actually nominated some of these people. <laughs> like you had a news conference and said you nominated them, but you didn't actually like submit. But the yeah, it's like, that's not uh, how same, it works. <laughs> same thing. Like, when when you're going to have a new policy about the transgender ban, you have to actually write a legal document and transmit it to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, not just tweet it. Now, do you, did you hear about the really interesting timing of that that we found out later? No. Uh, what, what happened that day that we did not know that day, but we do know now, is that morning was the morning that the FBI raided Paul Manafort's house. Oh, really? So Trump was... I think probably trying to wag the dog or play the distraction game because they thought this was going to hit the news, but it didn't that day. Interesting. So I guess not every institution is super leaky the way, you know, the white house is, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, he could, I'm sure he is like every time he just like, Oh, we need a campaign rally or we need to do, he does something crazy. I mean, he is, it seems to it seems to be hiding something, and maybe not with the Russia thing, but he's definitely uh, a lot of people don't know, like a lot of the, yeah, the financial Ru- industry stuff, like the um, uh, like he, there was a he's been waiving a lot of uh, Obama regulations about waiting two years if you're a lobbyist to becoming like in that department in the oh, government. Oh yeah, they've had the most the most waivers. Yeah, yeah. Mike yep. Cantazaro was uh the, i don't know if he was the ceo or um oh he lobbied for devon energy and now um he's uh he's the top in- energy policy aide for um uh wow yeah and it's like that's a that's a that's a problem right there you know what i mean it's like <laughs> two months ago or or seven months ago he was working for devon energy and now, let's see what he actually worked for. He's uh, soon become a top energy policy aide for the Trump administration. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, he lobbied against the U.S. Bureau of Land Management. Great. Um, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, man. I mean, there's so much to go yeah. over right now and so much. But Zinke, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to ignore like 2.5 million emails about not rescinding national monuments so he he's yeah. he's recommending that a few of them are sh- are shrunk which is not unprecedented but it's still kind of messed up but um it's rare it's very rare but it is it has happened before but none has ever been not oh this is not a national monument anymore you know yeah um yeah he uh um the one thing i heard her He's over interior, is that right? He's the interior Yeah, secretary. yeah. So that includes the National Park Service, but I think yep. the National Forest Service is part of the yeah, Department and, of Agriculture. Yeah, that's Department of Agriculture, but BLM is Department of uh, the Interior. Okay. Yeah, well, because I remember the, uh, 
they the Republican platform actually had language about um, transferring federally administrated BLM lands to states, and you know, which we as we talked about on the show last year, like many states did not want. (laughs) And Zinke actually said, "No, we're not going to. I don't support that." You know, so I I thought that was when I heard that I was like, "Okay, we're not we're not doomed." Yeah, I mean, like that's the. But that's what scares me. I'm like, okay, 2.5 million people going insane. Like, stop this from getting out of control. But then I keep on thinking back, like, the whole world protested the American invasion of Iraq. And they did not give a shit. You know, they just went right through. Like, that was an incredible, probably the largest protest that ever happened in the history of the world. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so many cities. And they're just like... Oh yeah, um, we don't care though, you know. And they just they yeah. just did it. So that and freaks me out. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, well, are they just going to do it anyway? Um, yeah. Uh, no, they might. I, I read something that, and I don't know if it's true. So, uh, but that it let's just say yeah, let's it's just true. say it's true. But that you know, Trump not appointing, um, the his uh, not making his appointments to these offices or whatever is a strategy for to like get them to fail and you know that he's like yeah fuck them you know but that that might be illegal that he's doing that so i think okay yeah so i don't know what do you think about that? yeah i thought a lot of people like for example i think south korea does not have a confirmed ambassador right now mm-hmm. I'd be like gosh now would be a really great time to have an ambassador to south yeah. korea <laughs> given the circumstances um now, here's one area where I will give a little bit of deference, but not to the degree they're doing it. Rex Tillerson was kind of brought in to bring some business world insight and and to reform the State Department, basically. And so I understand that what he might want to do uh, might require some things to be different or some delays or whatever. And and I think it's legitimate. The idea of that is legitimate. I have no idea if he'll actually like bring about real improvements or mm-hmm. not. Um, that's fine. He's the secretary and the president's the president and that's their agency. And, you know, they got to do what they got to do, but there's so many unfulfilled that, yeah. And maybe that's a Bannon thing too. Like, you know, once he's gone, maybe they'll finally start, you know? Yeah. It seems like, <laughs> like filling these, it in. seems like after Trump's vacation and stuff, there's a, a degree of normalcy. Like everything has to go through, um, uh, um, what's it? Kelly, John Kelly. John Kelly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, one thing I think is kind of funny um, is that, like, you, so there's a lot of similarities, or, you know, some similarities, pretty significant ones to Nixon, you know, with him threatening to fire uh, the investigator yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And all. Just, just everyone. Just everyone. Just fire everyone. What would be so funny is if Trump brokered talks with North Korea. And, like, so he, <laughs> Trump goes to North Korea like Nixon went Himself. to China. You know what I mean? I think that'd be really funny. Just yes, normalize relations. I don't think Dennis Rodman's uh, welcome there anymore. But you can find someone. Is he not? There. Is he not welcome there anymore? I don't think so. I think the last day didn't go very well. Oh so. well, there you go. At any rate, they're like, "Hey, wait a minute." <laughs> Although, great rebounder. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, got it. It's a good guy to have on the team. Gosh, we're all over the place. Um, but let me tell you something about rebounding. Just real quick, then we'll go back. All-time leader, Blazers, offensive rebounds, Clyde the Glide Drexler. Nice. Offensive rebounder. That's 
That's amazing. Pretty incredible. That uh, that L.A. didn't get it because L.A. has most of the team records these days. No, uh, Clyde still has the most. Wow. Yeah, he still has like eight. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed. A lot of them are like missed field goals and missed whatever because he <laughs> like has the most field goals also. But yeah, I was really yep. surprised. Offensive rebound, especially dur- playing during the like Detroit Pistons days and all those people. That reminds me, like uh, there's some great negative. NBA has... Just because of how the game works, and you you know you can't turn over the ball if you don't um, have the ball. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the um, uh, best like bad stats are held by the best players. So let's say I'm going to go to BasketballReference.com. Now we're talking about basketball, and I don't even care. <laughs> so leaders. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, active career. Uh, okay. So let's do turnovers. This is going to be a good one. Probably like uh, um, uh turnovers. Okay, so let's do um, career and active. Okay, career leaders in turnovers: Carl Malone, Moses Malone, John Stockton, <laughs> Kobe Bryant, Jason Kidd, Julius Irving, Artis Gilmore, Isaiah Thomas, Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> And then for active leaders, LeBron James, Paul Pierce. Is he actually playing next year? Oh, wow. Uh, Andre Miller, Dwayne Wade. Wow. <laughs> Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. I thought so Steph are, would be are... a lot higher on that list. Huh. Oh, well. He is not very high on the list. Let's find him here. Curry. He's number 28 on active. Wow. He's number All right. Yeah, he's he's doing good. Um, so I mean, the all-time leader in interceptions in the NFL is Brett Favre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The all-time leader in fouls, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone, Artis Gilmore, Robert Parrish, Caldwell Jones, Charles Oakley, Hakeem Olajuwon. Buck Williams is number eight. Oh, my wow. God. Buck. How did he do that? I don't know. And Cliff Robertson is number 10. Whoa. Of course, Cliff is like, Cliff is way up there in minutes played. I think. Yeah, he played for a long really time. Quick. I think he played post 9-11 even. He is Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, Allen Iverson. Uh, where is Cliff? He's on the list. I know he is somewhere. Allen Iverson's up there in minutes. Oh, minutes per wow. game. Oh, minutes no, per game. No, this is minutes per game. Okay. Sorry. Right, I need to get right. total minutes. I need to get total minutes played. Career. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Jason Kidd. Where's Cliff? Cliff, where are you? You know what? I'm glad Number that... 24 all-time minutes. I'm glad that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is number one because an airplane... Some kid was giving him shit about not running around the court all the time. And he said, hey, listen up. I play my ass off every night. I bring it. <laughs> you every know? night. It's like he really did. Every night. He really did. Okay. Here's people that Cliff Robinson has more minutes played than. Shaquille O'Neal, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Patrick Ewing. Wow. He has more minutes played than those wow. guys. Incredible. When did his career end? Was it post 9-11 or pre-9-11? Liffy played until, oh, this is going to blow your mind, 2007. No way! Yes, he was with New Jersey Nets in 2007. That's incredible. He played in 50 games. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. When, did he, when was his rookie year then? The early, late 80s? 89. 89. 89. Wow. Wow. All right. Okay. <gasps> I love Cliff. Anyway, so the point is, 
Kyrie Irving got traded for Isaiah Thomas. And that's all you need to know about the NBA. Yeah. Everyone lost their yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Everybody so. lost their mind. I don't, yeah, I mean. The things have been realigned. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. It seems like uh, both both sides could be like, oh, I hope this wasn't a mistake. <laughs> but it could work <laughs> out well for both sides. I mean, Kyrie wants to be the man. He will be the man. He's three years younger than Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas also. Is he? Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is going to be wow. his 29. And then I didn't realize yeah. that. I thought it was the other way. And around. he just had a really okay. tricky hip surgery, so Cavs are yeah. Cavs are kind of taking a gamble. But Kyrie, uh, you know, you know, we'll yeah. see, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think a lot of people could be that good when LeBron James is on your team, taking away a lot of heat. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, we should probably wrap it up. All right. What do you think Donald but, Trump uh, thinks about uh, basketball? And uh, and then draw a parallel here between Confederate monuments, if you will. So, oh my <laughs> so Confederate monuments that need to come down are the monuments to... Um, okay, I'll, I'll, here's the virtual Confederate mon- uh, monument I want to tear down. And that is the tying MVP award to team success. because. We live in a world where we're smart enough to know that individual achievement can't be the uh, only measured uh, in your team's success. Uh, and this is my baseball bias where, you know, Mike Trout playing for the crappy uh, Angels is the MVP because he is so good at baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to tear that Robert E. Lee monument down, how the MVP is traditionally awarded. You can make an argument anyway. that the MVP should come from the best player on one of the worst teams, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, for sure. If if they're making a team go that, you know, otherwise doesn't go. Yeah. And that's where you get into weird things like, well, what about DeMarcus Cousins? <laughs> like, yeah. Do you, do you see him play with the yes. Kings? There was nothing else going no. on. It was a DeMarcus he's show. He's so good. He made it all happen. Man, he's good. He made it all happen. I like he that scored guy. and everything else that happened on the floor. He did. I feel the same way about him so, as I anyway. did about Sheed when he was playing. Like he's kind. Of, I kind of yeah. like him. He's kind of yeah, the bad boy. Like he's but he's really knows how to play. You know basketball. what's funny? Really, smart. he doesn't even touch Rasheed Wallace's technical fouls records. <laughs> like doesn't even come close. <laughs> he's like he gets so many ticks. Oh my gosh! And it's like no, 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 no. Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> Like one season, I think he had like fifty-six or something crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost one. Yes, <laughs> that's incredible. I remember, man, we would have won the championship if he didn't get kicked out of Game Six for staring at the ref. <laughs> like yeah. two minutes into the game, he's like, "Stop staring at me, Sheed. Sheed, stop staring at me. Oh, you're gone." <laughs> and Steve Smith, he's like, "Come on, man, you didn't say nothing." <laughs> Good old Steve Smith. Oh man, those were the- <laughs> yeah. Gosh, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Stop staring anyway, at me, Sheed. Stop staring at me, Sheed. I remember that video of Steve Smith coming running out like <laughs> and Steve Smith, who's probably never gotten a technical in his life. <laughs> uh, so one last thing, and I know you'll love to talk about okay. it. That the Dodgers are just on a tear right now. God, the Dodgers damn. are on a tear, but Rich Hill got screwed. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh, man. That's good. Threw nine innings of no-hit baseball. Lost the game Lost. in the 10th. Lost the game in the Heart- 10th on a homer. I love I so, love a heartbreaker no-hitter. Like, that, almost even more than I like a no-hitter. Like, that one year that the Colorado Rockies pitcher would have had a perfect game, and then the umpire oh, yeah, made the, the 
Oh, I'm screwed it up. Yeah. You know, there's another, there's a, there's a funny thing too, because um, when it comes to no hitters, uh, perfect games too, but in particular, no hitters, like it's really improbable and the, and the improbability rises, rises, rises. But at a certain point, it actually starts becoming more probable, the more probable outcome. Because if you think about it on any given at bat, the most common occurrence is an out, right? Yeah. And so as you get closer to the 27th out, like you're like actually starting to slide downhill again towards like, oh, this is probably going to happen. But then, you know, of course, fate intervenes. The Dodgers can't score a run for once in their life. Now they're currently at 90 wins and they're well over 50 games above 500. So uh, they're sitting pretty. Yeah. So it's really something else. They're very good. All I can it's say. funny. I, they're good at baseball. It's funny. I live in the Bay Area and stuff like that. I still, I kind of still hate the Warriors more than I hate the Dodgers. <laughs> I don't like. I hate that I hate the Warriors too. But you have to be honest about what you believe. You can't help what you believe. And yeah, uh, I just true. don't. So like the, uh, I just, I, I just don't. Kevin Durant ruined it. The Giants uh, are already eliminated from the division. They're awful. So. <laughs> They're so bad. They're they are bad. Yeah. And and uh, you know uh, their guys are getting hurt. And we should just ride dirt bikes, riding dirt bikes, getting blistered. Yep. <clears throat> like anyway. I don't know. We should. It's an odd year, though. I mean, last year was our year. If we had a bullpen, we would. I don't know. We were that Cubs series. You not only didn't have a bullpen, like you might have just been better off just forfeiting at that point in the game. I, know. <laughs> I knew it was coming too in the ninth inning. I was like, man, we're gonna blow this three-run lead. <laughs> no, sure I know enough. it's gonna happen. But yeah, it's an odd year, so nobody amazing. really cares. People are still writing about that in the Bay Area. They're like, well, it's an odd year. <laughs> it's an odd no year. big deal. Even though Buster Posey is old and Hunter can't play anymore, we're going to be okay next year. <laughs> yeah. Buster's still killing it, though. He's still playing. Yeah, he's good. He's he's definitely he's definitely a premium player. I wonder but how long Ichiro is going to play. Unfortunately, he can't. He could just play forever at this point. I know. <laughs> He can play a backup outfielder. I'd like, like to see him be the like, oldest player to ever play. I bet that's a hard record to break because well, baseball is such an it old is hard. Game. Well, and plus, um, you have uh, what's his name, pitcher? What's that guy's name? Oh, uh, dang it! Gaylord Perry? Uh, no. Although he was really old, he's like one of the first black guys in the oh, league. Oh, San- or uh, yeah, um, Satchel Page. Page. No one knows how old he was. Yeah, which is awesome. So, uh, they say, oh, I guess they say he was born in 1906. Okay. And he finished playing baseball. He pitched in the World Series for Cleveland after integration. Wow. <laughs> which was in 49, I think. Okay. Oh, no, 48. Wow. <laughs> so... He was already 42 then. Wow. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Kansas City. Uh, let's see. He finished in uh, in 1965. Whoa. What the? Wow. I did not know. Uh, that he signed him for one game. One game. So he's 59 years old. Wow. In 19, at the age of 55 in 1961, he signed with the Portland Beavers. Huh. Pitching 25 innings. Uh, all right. Dang. Right. That would have been cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, Ichiro, you can just play for Yeah. Him. It's fine. Fine by me. Yeah. All right. All right, let's wrap it on up. Right. 
we'll, we'll talk to you next time, uh, dedicated, faithful listeners. Yeah. And uh, tell your friends about the show. Buddypodcast.com. Yeah, it's, it won't be monthly. It's not a monthly show. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weekly-ish show. Yeah. Yeah, we're pump, pumping out about 30 episodes a year. That's yeah, pretty good. Pretty, 35, maybe. It's a 30 episode. Pretty decent. Yeah, okay. We're doing it. All right. All right. Bye.